1: Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of
2: ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And we're
1: going to be talking a lot about serums in Austin, Texas.
2: Kate, that's segue. Wow, right? Chef's Kiss. <laughs> I've been planning it for a week. I wrote it, I rehearsed it. Really nicely done. We're going to South
1: by Southwest. We are. I've never been, so I don't really know what it means when I say that I'm going to South by Southwest. It's
2: exciting. Is it? Yeah. Great. Give me food, give me people, You're give me eat Texas. so many tacos. That's my main intention. here. need a lot here. of barbecue. Great. Um, and so, meet people. Yeah, so we're doing a live podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're doing a live podcast on Saturday, March 9th at 2 PM. And it's at the I believe it's at the JW Marriott, but if you're going to South by, you can look us look up. Look us up on the website. Um, and yeah, we have an exciting guest lined up. And I believe it's open to anyone with a South by Southwest badge.
1: Let us confirm that for you, but I believe so.
2: Well, it's definitely open to anyone with a South by Southwest okay. badge. But I Do not believe it is open to the public if you don't have a badge. But not to worry, because we are doing something
1: Sunday night. Oh, yeah. March 10th. That is open to the public. It's open to anyone. And it's with our friend Jackie Johnson of Natch Butte Pod, which, you know, it's going to be fun if Jackie's there. Oh, yeah. She's me making up a fucking theme song. For oh, meetup. she sure
2: is, uh, and that is Sunday, March tenth, from five to seven p.m. And it is at Craft, um, a space in East Austin that seems very cool. It's like a, it's like a makers space. Please come, yeah. Say hi, hang out with us. We, we don't have the RSVP information at this moment but just put it into whatever calendar
1: you use yes and it
2: will be free Mm -hmm. and we will be there and we will
1: be there so you'll get to witness this magic in the flesh oh boy the social awkward nerves that i bring to texas are gonna be off the
2: charts i can't
1: wait (laughs) it's gonna be me frantically
2: nervous and dory here's what let 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 me tell you guys what happens when I go into a social situation with Kate, oh, she, no. she prefaces it by saying how socially awkward <laughs> she is. She's so nervous, blah, 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 blah. Then we get there. Who's the socially awkward one? Me! No, you're not. Oh, I'm not old old. standing there like a total, like, <laughs> I can't <laughs> even talk. And you're like just chatting with everyone because you're my like, nerves- hey, I'm Kate. we from Forever Thirty Five Podcast." Blah blah blah. And I'm like, Ugh, I can't speak. <laughs> my nerves. <laughs> my nerves
1: push words out, and I also announce myself to new people by saying that I'm socially awkward, which is the worst icebreaker. No, it's I'm great. Like, I'm really
2: nervous when I meet people. I just don't say anything. So. <sighs> It's like, I don't you're, know. You're such a winning team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, but we will be
1: on our best behavior. We will be. I will try to speak. And I will try to sh- <laughs> just tone it down. Sure. Okay. I'm, I already feel the energy. I'm like hot and red <laughs> in the face right now. Oh, my goodness. Well, other <sighs> than planning our South by adventures. Yeah. What has been going on with you? I kind of... Dory had like a sensitive journey with my relationship with food for a couple days this week. I've been doing a lot of thinking. Okay. Just about Kate Spencer's lifelong relationship to food.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And I feel I've lately been feeling a little bit overwhelmed. I really want to make like I want to want to make choices that are healthy, but that aren't restrictive. I yeah. don't want to live in a world where I'm consumed by food. Like I want to just exist in the world and mm-hmm. enjoy life and not be like, I hate bread. Mm-hmm. But I'm overwhelmed by the amount of information. Mm-hmm. I'm over. There's too much. Mm-hmm. There's too much. And so I almost feel paralyzed about like, when it comes to the choices I want to make for myself, because I've kind
2: of consumed too much information. And when you say too much information. Do you mean about like, what is healthy? Or? Yes. Because it's like, Oh, keto. Oh,
1: paleo. Oh, those things are bullshit. Just eat grains. Oh, no, don't eat grains. I'm eat plant based. Mm. I mean, I just feel a little bit like, and then, you know, just the the world of like eat clean eating. Oh, actually saying something is clean is a really shitty thing to say about food. Mm, And it's like mm -hmm, insinuating that mm -hmm. other food is dirty. And that's like, I just am feeling overwhelmed. I think not not by the messaging of relationships with food and how to kind of like set up boundaries for myself from all that stuff. And I kind of started feeling sad about it because the other night, Um, I was like I said texted my husband Anthony and I was like I don't have the energy to make Dinner because I was like I don't feel like going And like defrosting a chicken breast Like finding a vegetable and he Had wrote back and he was like great let's take out I'm really in the mood for penne arrabbiata And I was like oh but I can make that I love making And and it hadn't even dawned on me to make pasta I think Because I'm so burned in my brain Of like pasta is bad even though I I I don't know again listeners I don't I don't want to be too like I don't want to like talk too much shit about my food stuff because it feels I I I am embarrassed. It's kind mm. of embarrassing. It was like embarrassing that I was like, oh, I don't want to eat pasta. It was so dumb. And then I I sent him out to get the ingredients and I made like this beautiful penne arbiano. It was so mm. good from my favorite Italian cookbook, Trattoria by Patricia Wells. Okay. And I was like, why the why didn't my brain think like this would have been easy for me to make, but I had just been like, oh, no, you have to eat a protein and a veg. You know what I mean? Like I hadn't even given myself the yes. option of considering making a pasta dish that ended up being one easy to make two delish. Oh, so good. Anyway, so then I kind of spiraled and felt sad about it that I was that way that mm-hmm. I like was demonizing carbs in my brain. And then I was like, "No, well, I'm not going to be I'm going to try not judge myself. Am I making any sense? No, you're making total sense. Does anyone understand me? Uh, I know you do. I know. But yeah, you know, I felt it just was kind of the spiral. And I thought about also, like, I love cooking Italian food. It's like the one food I really enjoy cooking. It reminds me of my grandparents who made beautiful, fresh food out of their little tiny garden and their little backyard. And so I just was like, just thinking like, I got to, I ha- I want to live in a space where like, food is love.
2: Mm-hmm. And like, I delight
1: in eating it and mm-hmm. not like, oh, no, you know, not that weird sense of like dread, which is I, I wish
2: I, I wish think we need to all channel Samin Nosrat. I actually like cha- I
1: felt such joy For as I Alison was in Roman. Yes. And I felt <laughs> immense pleasure and joy as I was making this pasta and eating it and like savoring my time with my husband. And so more of that is what I'm ha- that's where I kind of ended up that I want to do more of that. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's where I'm at.
2: It's hard because we are constantly bombarded with messaging about food, about body image. And I also am
1: really conscious of what I want my daughters, how I want my daughters to see my relationship to food and eating mm-hmm. and exercise and my body image. I'm so conscious of that. And I don't want to, even though I do have Like things I need to work through. I don't want to present that to them. Yeah. So that is a dance that I am doing. That's tough. I have done. I've been slacking off and going to therapy. So I probably got to visit the old therapists um, and do some chatting. But wow, you know, this I don't I also don't want to spend my whole fucking life consumed about like food. Yeah, I don't want to like be on my deathbed and be like, oh, I'm glad I spent approximately a million hours stressing about, you know, food like not in a in a negative way, like not a positive way. Totally. So anyway, lots of feelings for me this week that just really came up. Anyway, Dory, you had very exciting news this week that did not involve any sort of spiraling. I don't think only the good kind no, of spiraling.
2: It also didn't. Involve, unfortunately, it didn't involve pasta. Well,
1: I'm, I'll change that.
2: Okay, thank later,
1: you. Later in the intentions, I'll <laughs> give you more details.
2: Um, I sold a book. Yeah, yeah, did. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. It's thank almost you. like,
1: I feel like I sold a book, but I didn't do any other work. <laughs> like, my excitement is like, woo! <laughs> um,
2: well, yeah. So, I sold a book of essays. I know, so that Ed. What is the title, Dory? The title is Thanks for Waiting. Um, and
1: tell us what it's about.
2: Well... There was a little announcement in a trade publication called Publishers Marketplace. Can I read it? Yeah. Wait, why am I hijacking your update? I don't know. You read it. Okay. Um, Co-host of the hit podcast Forever 35... Thank you. I loved that they gave us a shout out. Thank you. And author of the novel Startup, Dory Schaffrier's Thanks for Waiting, a collection of essays about starting over and over, exploring the enormous pressures women feel to hit certain milestones at certain times and how to, ooh, I just saw a typo, (laughs) (laughs) at certain times and how to redefine what it means to be a late bloomer to Sarah Weiss at Ballantyne. And my agent, Aaliyah Hannah Habib at the Gurner Company sold it. And very excited now you have to write a book now I have to write a book oh <laughs> <laughs> wait never mind. I'm
1: so excited and I I'm I've read a little bit of what you've you been have. working on and it's great thank you and I think this is such a fucking awesome topic like I cannot wait to read it and to read your and to read your nonfiction voice
2: yeah I mean it's funny because my nonfiction. Like I always wrote nonfiction. It was kind of weird that I, that my book was fiction. Um, So now I'm just, you know, getting back to my roots, (laughs) my roots in nonfiction. What are some, have
1: you thought about some of the things that you plan on covering? Like some of the things it mentions, enormous pressures women face to Mm -hmm, to hit certain mm -hmm. milestones. What are some things you're thinking of talking about in the book?
2: Well, definitely stuff around pregnancy and children and infertility and marriage um, and then also careers Interesting. and, you know, I think that there's a lot of stigma around aging for women. And I think especially older moms shoulder, a lot of guilt and feeling like they don't belong. Um, at least that's kind of been my impression of, moms, I think, especially first time moms who are over 40. Have you experienced that just in any of the interactions you've had, like it with your as a
1: pregnant mom over 40?
2: Well, what's funny is uh, two of my very close friends who are both over 40 are also pregnant right now. Right. Um, so like in my two close closest friends from college, one of them gave birth last year, like at almost 40 and the other one um, had a kid at 39 and a kid at. 40, or I forget exactly 39, 41, 38, 40, something like that. Like, so my, my immediate peers have like been pretty late, late, quote unquote. Um, so, and I just, I like kind of don't give a fuck, but I think I'm, I think I might be in the minority in that, yeah in that regard. Um, I see a lot of anxiety around being like the oldest mom at school, the oldest mom at preschool like oh my god all the moms are in their late 20s or early 30s and here I am in my mid 40s like I see that sentiment a lot like whether it's on Facebook or just anywhere um and I kind of want us to reframe the narrative
1: oh boy that should be the
2: (laughs) alternative title of this book like there's a lot of really great things about being an older mom
1: I have to admit to envy of not being an older mom like there's part of me that's like, God, what the fuck was I, <laughs>
2: what was I doing?
1: <laughs> like, why didn't I, 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 wait for dot, dot, dot reason. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. hindsight and grass sure. is always greener and so forth, but yeah, I think it's fucking dope to be an older mom.
2: Yeah. Like, I feel like I have my shit together so much more than I did 10 years ago, sure. or five years ago. Um, not to mention like I'm more financially stable, like. I just feel like I'm in a better place to raise a child. Totally. Um and so that is something that I'm definitely going to be exploring um in the book. And then also like career-wise, like I got to keep working throughout my 30s and not worry about the rampant sexism displayed towards women who have children in the workplace. Mm. Because that shit is real Oh it is I've experienced it Yeah so I think that's gonna be A lot of what I talk about I'm also gonna talk about Just being like fucking clueless In my early 30s (laughs) 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 Made some interesting choices Yeah? Yeah like especially with guys I've heard some of them
1: I I cannot wait to
2: read this book I look back on it and I'm (laughs) like What the fuck was wrong with
1: me? We, uh, Dory, there is nothing wrong with you. But the
2: thing about being a late bloomer and not getting married till you're 38 is you have more years of uh (laughs) uh making those. But you know, I do think that I came out of it a like I came out of it with a good perspective, and I think that I ended up with a partner who was right for me in so many ways, but maybe not someone I would have married when I was 28. Sure. Um, so I think it's also about kind of like letting yourself get things out of your system.
1: Mm-mm. So those oats <laughs> cannot wait for the oat sewing chapter of this book.
2: Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to talk about friendship, mm-hmm. friendship as adults. Oh, this is going to be good, Dory. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. Um, you know, some of the things that we discuss on the podcast will like make their way into the book. How could they not? Just ice
1: rollers, a chapter. Exactly.
2: Also like starting a new business when you're over 40.
1: Yeah. People telling and, and dealing with those challenges. Yeah, People telling you no. Know. Yep. Or people telling you, yes.
2: Yeah. And just, you know, we live in a world that like valorizes the 25 year old male college dropout startup Mm, founder. Does it ever? And like, not the
1: 40 something (laughs) woman, cool, 40 something, 40
2: something -something in orthotic shoes. Yeah. But like, we know what's up. Yeah, man, we do. Mm -hmm. And here we are. So, you know, I just want people to feel seen and heard. And that's what I'm here for. So that's mm. what I did. Also, can't wait. Can't wait. Um, Matt and I went to a childbirth class. I'm ready to give birth. <laughs> you took a class. Now you're ready. Now I'm ready. Um, no, we learned a lot. Great. Um, so that was good. Did they In the childbirth
1: class, did they cover all different kinds of birth? Like, was there a, here's what happened if you have a scheduled C-section yes. or an, and I don't want to say emergency C-section, but the kind of C-section that's like, well, you've labored, but actually we have to.
2: Yeah. And then they covered like true emergency Mm -hmm. Mm C-sections like, oh, the mother or baby's life is in danger. We must go to the OR pronto. ASAP. Um, Yeah. They covered all, all kinds of births. Um, They covered epidurals. I learned that some hospitals in LA will let you have nitrous. That sounds fun. Not my hospital. Oh, boo. (laughs) I
1: know. I actually have a friend who I think had that in her labor. You
2: know, what's funny is I've been watching a lot of Call the Midwife. Okay. (laughs) And they... Used it briefly in *Call the Midwife*, which is set in like the late '50s and early '60s. And I, when I watched it, I was like, "Wow, like how backwards they're using nitrous." <laughs> and then they were like, "And then, and then now, I think it's kind of coming back into vogue because you control it, like you put the mask on." And then you decide, like, if you want more, it's very interesting. And it's not a pain reliever. It's more like a distractor. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. I'm intrigued. Okay. Anyway, I won't be taking it. But you learned about it. <laughs> but I learned about it. Um, We, like, Matt learned how to give me massage. Most importantly. Put his hand on my sacrum. Yes. Partners, get in there. Get in there. Did a lot of stuff on an exercise ball. Yeah learned what to expect, like right after you give birth. Oh,
0: boy. That, yeah.
2: that whole, like nobody tells
1: you that you have to birth the placenta.
2: Yeah. Well, I learned that on Call the Midwife. Oh, OK. Well, <laughs> maybe maybe before we all decide to have children, we
1: should just watch Call the Midwife. I mean, I think it's instructive. <laughs> I, I don't think I knew that. And I thought the placenta just kind of came. I don't know what I thought either, that it just disappeared inside you or just came out with the baby. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about no, it before. No, No anybody else in this room think about birthing placentas (laughs) just taking a quick poll of the crowd here
2: yep yeah no No. nobody tells you that nobody tells you that um nobody tells you that you're gonna have to wear like depends or maxi pad for a while you know what let's say this
1: nobody tells you but we're gonna start telling you oh yeah you You know
2: what was not covered in class uh now that i think about it pooping like, like while, pooping while, while childbirth, while child while birthing I'll pooping tell you whilst birthing <laughs> I did not oh,
1: great call back to Thank our you. British listeners Thank I you. still want to say whilst 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 I did not poop whilst in labor but I will tell you the first bowel movement after giving oh, birth we discussed that is a fucking it's like a,
2: another birth out of your butt that's basically what they said yeah <laughs> It is not. they like it's going to feel like you're giving birth out of your body.
1: <laughs> Did they really say yeah. that? Yeah, oh, it feels so uh, seen and heard. It sucks. No one tells yeah. you that either. Yeah, and like after I had, but my... she suggested taking stool softeners. Oh yeah, get soften that stool until it's like mush, baby. Just oh, get in there. Well, okay. sorry. I... <laughs> <gasps> whoa okay <Kate.
2: laughs> it is not comfortable and and i had to, ugh,
1: there's so much we could we should do a whole episode about childbirth oh, well we, we are we are, we I are. mean, yeah, it's doing, in the works yeah.
2: but yeah um no but it was very helpful and that's great yeah and you know Bo's doing well we had another training session this morning you and-
1: like listen Bo, i'm gonna have to give birth to a baby and then also poop a baby poop something <laughs> out of my butt You better fucking... And he was like, okay. Get this shit
2: (laughs) right, Bo. No, but he's doing good. He's doing well. Everybody's getting ready. Everyone's getting ready. Getting geared up. Oh, yeah. Wow.
1: (laughs) Geez. Sorry. I said a lot of very body fluid type things in that right there.
2: Well, you know, it is what it is.
1: It is. Our bodies produce a lot of things. A lot of things.
2: But on that note, let's... We're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back with Courtney choose on and we'll talk about the largest organ on our bodies the skin but not the strongest the strongest is the uterus hey and only some of us have them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for men it's the tongue oh god really yep all right brb okay
0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer, just come more
1: Our guest today is our friend and facialist Courtney Chisano.
2: Hi. Hello and welcome so back. So good to
1: be back. Yay. Courtney, before we start digging into some listener questions, I would just like to read a quick bio. Courtney is a facialist and founder of Courtney Chisano Skincare. originally from Massachusetts, our what, home what? state. <laughs> she moved to LA 15 years ago to attend FIDM, that is the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. Yes, ma'am. Nailed it. For their beauty industry program and has not looked back since. Dubbed the Redness Whisperer by Chalkboard Mag, which also named her one of the top natural facialist in los angeles courtney specializes in myolite therapy and customizes each appointment to meet every client's needs i can attest to this same
2: oh, thank you. you you ladies are lovely what we're is, so glad to have you back on the show i'm yes. so happy to be here
1: our can
0: listeners I,
2: have so many questions
1: but i kate spencer has a question oh
0: does she can yes ma'am
1: what is myolite therapy ha- S-
0: So my light therapy is actually the term for my machine technology. Okay. And what it is, is it's a combination of light therapy and microcurrent together. Ah. So microcurrent is super popular for lifting and toning muscle in the face, which is wonderful for, you know, getting you to a point where you might not need Botox or fillers. It really kind of sends your skin through a gym situation to really lift and tone. And then the light therapy itself treats the skin and it can treat an array of issues. It can do pigmentation, redness acne anti-aging it does all these wonderful things so them combined is the myelite therapy itself and it's really really um, beneficial for a lot of different skins
1: can't wait to get that going on my face i
2: got it once with courtney it's great
1: well, I'm there. Yeah, I'm ready. So I'm in. i, I I'm ready. For I maybe have all. I can't remember if I've all, if I've done it before. Every time I see you, it's a journey based on what's happening on my face.
0: This is why I'm here. We're doing things one on one at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like oh, those this z- zits weren't there the last time I saw
1: you.
2: <laughs> the skin <gasps> changes. As do uh, I? That's <laughs> true. So, Dory, should we just
1: jump in?
2: Yeah, I mean, we asked our listeners for questions for um, Courtney on Facebook and on Instagram. Yes, and. We got, Courtney, we got many questions for you. We are not going to get to all of them, but we will get to some of them. I will do my best. Okay. Let's do this. Let's kick it off with a question that has come up a lot. You may have answered something similar on a previous episode, but because it comes up all the time, we're just going to ask you again. It's, okay. it's worth a repeat. It's worth a repeat. What skincare products do you recommend for redness slash rosacea slash pregnancy-induced rosacea?
0: Interesting. So redness, rosacea, pregnancy induced rosacea, they all can come from different sources. So it really depends on where your redness is coming from. Uh, First thing you want to do is make sure you're not doing anything that's going to exacerbate it. You want to stay away from heat. You want to stay away from alcohol. Um, Those are the important things before you dive into products. And then, yes, ma'am. Okay. I'm raising my hand. Courtney, sometimes I do that. (laughs) I like it. Would that also include like heating
1: foods like spices?
0: Yes. Super spicy foods. Anything that's going to really elevate your body heat and get your capillary to expand so no hot yoga no hot yoga if you are prone to redness from elasma i beg of you please don't do hot yoga it is doing you no favors you are just paying to make your condition worse so please try to stay away from it i know it feels amazing but cold yoga yeah just normal temperature room yoga is fantastic you don't have to heat the skin um but back to rosacea itself so if you have papular rosacea which just tends to be the bumpy kind you get little pimples Mm. on top um The best approach for that generally is a little bit of tea tree oil in squalling. So you put like a drop of tea tree oil in squalene, which you can get off Amazon. And what that does is papular rosacea a lot of times is caused by an overgrowth of skin mites and they can't live in tea tree oil. So it helps kill the papular part of the rosacea and technically tends to calm down the redness itself. That's if you have papular rosacea. Uh, If you have just redness in general, you want to stick to super anti-inflammatory things like calendula, chamomile, Um, again, monitor your heat. Uh, One of my favorite products for that is Emergency, who makes a lot of my favorite products, they're my jam. Uh, But their D-Red Emulsion is a really nice serum that calms down redness. That's if you just have red cheeks in general. If you have pregnancy-induced rosacea, be careful about what you're putting on your skin, especially just because you're pregnant. And I would say essentially the same goes for that. If you're of the papular, stick with the tea tree and the squalene. If you're more of just red cheeks in general, you can lean towards the D red emulsion. I believe both are safe for pregnancy, but just double check. Um, But again, the big thing with redness, monitor alcohol, monitor heat, monitor sugar, refined carbohydrates, all that stuff, unfortunately, just adds to the redness. So treat it inside and out can i just
1: um piggyback on something you mentioned which was squalene oil yes ma'am because um what is so beneficial about squalene and then which kind of squalene oil do you recommend people get because i know there's some made of so many there's like so sharks many.
0: like shark oil there is olive yes. tree okay so squalene Aha, uh-huh. is shark oil derived okay squalene got it with an a is olive oil derived okay um so stick with squalene it's you know, a little kinder and it's also way easier to find. Uh, and there's just a hundred percent pure Italian brand on Amazon. It's one of the first ones that comes up and it tends to work the best. Um, and it's really affordable. You don't have to get crazy. A lot of other brands make a squalion and it's way more priced higher than it needs to be. So, um, you can stick with that, but because it is just a very calming, um, your body recognizes it as as its own oil so you're kind of modulating your own oil production because your skin's like oh i have oil i don't need to make as much and it's really great for just like calming most skin conditions i find it works for everybody everyone loves it guys girls it's just the best so i highly recommend it and it's a wonderful carrier oil for the tea tree you can never put tea tree directly on your skin it's caustic it'll burn so make sure you're always watering it down
1: okay that's good to know Mm -hmm. i have a little squalling background Mm -hmm. we have had a couple questions about melia oh yes yes melia um someone a few people one person asked i'm about to turn 30 and i would really like to get rid of the melia if possible do you have any product recommendations and then also just how do we get rid of under eye melia
0: so if you're getting melia because it's keratinized it's like a hard keratinized ball underneath the skin um so it's not something you can really pop out like a normal pimple um you can go to an esthetician go to a derm you can get those popped out but once they're there, they're hard for you to get them yourself. You kind of need to seek professional help for that. But prevention is all exfoliation based. So you want to exfoliate your skin fairly regularly, not too much. I would say no more than three times a week, depending on your skin. Uh, that helps your skin cells turn over and you're less likely to get the build buildup. You also want to make sure what you're using is not too heavy. A lot of people get milia around their eyes because they use an eye cream that their body's not a fan of, or it's just too heavy for the eye area, especially young women. I find women in their 20s are like, I need the best eye cream out there. And they buy these crazy eye creams that are way too heavy. Then they end up with a ton of Amelia. Like, stick with simple stuff. Go light. If you need something really heavy, um, try it for a little bit. If you feel like you're getting Amelia, dial it back to maybe once a day um, or try something different that's just in general lighter. But I find it's just something that's too heavy for your skin that's going to cause it. Um And, you know, some people are just genetically prone to it, too, you know. So it's one of those things that get a professional help to get it out and then do the right things at home for prevention. But, you know, if you're making milia, you're making milia. It's one of those things.
2: I'm making milia. Making milia. (laughs) Making milia. (laughs) Making (laughs) mils. Um, someone else was wondering, are there any blackhead removers slash products that make pores appear smaller that actually work? And why do my pores look giant when I'm on an airplane?
0: (laughs) Oh, that's a fun. That's a fun question. I love that question. So first things first. No, unfortunately, there's just not a product that really makes blackheads themselves go away. Regular exfoliation using the right products, again, will make the appearance of them. Um, but there's a reason that there's a whole job based around cleaning people's faces out. That's mm. really the only way to go about it. Um and then just making sure obviously you're not using things that are super clogging at home. Like don't be slathering, you know, primer on every day. That stuff really clogs. Uh so making sure you're doing the right skincare at home and then just getting regular cleanouts is the biggest thing. I do find some acids like glycolic acid used once in a while can help with the appearance of it, but really A good old-fashioned facial is really the the way to go if you want that long-term prevention. Well,
1: someone did ask, how often should we be getting facials? Now, obviously... You might be biased because you're a facialist.
0: <laughs> you know, I have to say. <laughs> I'd say that lovingly. No, absolutely. I mean, my job is based around people wanting to get them regularly. That's so fair. I'm not going to say don't get them regularly. <laughs> but I also am realistic. Like I'm, yeah. I'm a working woman on a budget. Like let's not get too crazy. You don't have to go insane. Uh, if you can only afford to do it twice a year, you're still benefiting from it. That's great. I have some clients that see me once a week. It's really wow. what, you, it's what you can afford. Um, but it's also what you can manage if you are looking to correct an issue, there's something that's bothering you about your skin, once every four to six weeks, is going to give you your results. So if you're really serious about seeing a difference, then you have to be regular. Uh, the people that are like, oh, I want to see my brown spots lightened up, and I, I, I want to see less breakouts, and they come in once every six months, like, let's be realistic. It's going to help a little bit, but it's not going to help like it would be if you're going to be consistent. So if you're going to spend the money, be consistent. Um, so yes, every four to six weeks, ideal.
2: Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. What about exfoliation? How How often? Often. This is such a loaded question. (laughs) I know. And everybody's
0: different, we realize. Everybody is so different. The biggest thing I come across is everyone does it too much. So... Whatever you feel the inclination to do, <laughs> dial it back. Okay. Because I find most women are overdoing it and it's causing a whole slew of other skin issues. Um, like there's so many people coming in with rashes or POD or having some sort of like dry issues. Do people beca- also use exfoliators that are too harsh for their skin? Yes. Everybody wants this kind of intense feeling of exfoliation Mm -hmm. because they think it's working more and that's not the case. You don't want to beat your skin into submission. Mm -hmm. Uh, You really want to make sure that what you're doing for your skin is gently removing the skin cells. Um, Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. an organ. You want to be nice to Mm -hmm. it. You don't want to beat it up. Um, So I would say for people that tend to be sensitive once a week to once every other week is plenty. Wow. And people that have thick skin, um, produce a lot of oil, really, you know, have sturdy, sturdy skin can go upwards of two to three times a week. I wouldn't go more than that.
1: And would that be chemical exfoliant or like a scrubby exfoliant? And,
0: And then I guess, what is the diff? So chemical exfoliants and scrubs, they're both great. I don't really have a preference on them. I do have preferences for them for different skin types. Certain people that are more red can't take a ton of abrasion, so they're better off with like a mild fruit enzyme or acid that's just kind of dissolving. Um, I like to call it kind of pac and eating all the stuff off the top of the skin. (laughs) It's dissolving and eating it all. And then you have your thicker skin that's really resilient, has a lot of buildup on it, a physical scrub is going to give you great results. People that tend to have thicker, sturdier skin can do both. They can do a little scrub. Mm. They can do a little enzyme. Sometimes they can do, you know, say a scrub once a week, an enzyme once a week, and that's perfect. Sometimes you can even do a scrub, an enzyme, and then a combo night where you put Ooh. them together, and that's going to give you real, real results, real sassy results. But that's if you have a thicker skin type. How do you know if you have a thicker skin type? It's so hard. to like, What does that mean? So for people that have thicker skin, I mean, you really can kind of feel it. Mm. You feel a denseness. Um, you don't see any creping. You can really poke and prod at it. It doesn't get red. It doesn't really get as irritated. Uh, you're not ever really dehydrated. Those are the people that tend to be able to tolerate a little bit more. Uh, they tend to also be like a little bit on the younger side they tend to be able to tolerate more um anyone that has any sort of redness and any sort of uh prone to breakouts um like real almost rash like breakouts you want to be less less is more Mm -hmm. don't spread it don't aggravate it um but again it's good to see a professional and get somebody to say this is what your skin's like this is what it wants and do you have exfoliants that you recommend? I do. So, my favorite scrub is by Gold Fat and MD. They're doctor scrubbed, not their advanced. They have a doctor scrub advanced. I don't recommend that one just because it tends to be very, very strong. Mm-hmm. And, I'll be honest I just don't trust the general public with that sort of stuff (laughs) they hurt themselves with it 10 times so I think that it's it's a wonderful product don't get me wrong on the the scale of the product itself it's lovely um, but people can't be trusted with it so do the step down do the doctor scrub it's a wonderful um, lightly hydrating beautifully resurfacing scrub it tends to work on all skin types Nobody seems to have an issue with it. And it feels like you're getting a really nice treatment out of it. It's something where you take it off and you feel brighter and more hydrated and really smooth. So that's my favorite scrub. And then my favorite um, chemical enzyme, my favorite acid enzyme, is the Peel Kit from Emergency. It's an organic fruit acid. And they have two little jars. And it kind of takes you back to your Noxema days. Mm. Your little little white bees Mm. in your jar. So they have one uh, jar that's an acid that's about 20% fruit acid. It's organic. It's safe. It's um, pregnancy safe. It's, It's really a great product. And it seems to not agitate even sensitive skin. And you can do it once or twice a week. You wipe it on, leave it on for three to five minutes, rinse it off. And then the second pad is essentially a lower level of the acid with brighteners. You put that on and then you can just do your regular regimen and go to bed. It's really, really nice. So it's kind of an at-home, you know, peel treatment, if you will, but very gentle, really natural. So those are my two favorites.
1: Well, you know, in my brain, I'm going ahead and ordering them ASAP. (laughs) Here's a question that kind of just builds off what you just said. What is the right order for our products? So what's, what's the order for using moisturizer, eye cream, serum, and oil? Like, which way do we go?
0: I wish that there was a dead set answer for this, but it does... Depend. I mean, you obviously always want to cleanse your face first, okay. rinse that off. Mm-hmm. Then you'd like to tone if you're going to tone, spray yourself, mist yourself, wipe whatever you know if you're going to use a toner. Um, I do love toners, but they're not always necessary. So I'll just put that out there if okay. anyone's if anyone's curious on that. We're doing a real basic yeah, routine. We're just doing a real basic routine, and then um, you want to go into your serum next and after your serum this is where things can get a little tricky so for eye cream you want to treat eye cream like a zoning of its own like just don't put any of your other product around your eyes just put your eye cream around your eyes so it doesn't matter what step it's going on because it's it's only thing at the party up there
1: aha uh-huh. okay so just give yeah just give, give the it its eye own area. little okay.
0: party because eye creams are formulated different, because that skin's thinner than the rest of the skin. It doesn't produce its oil like the rest of the skin does. So it really needs its own kind of food. And you want to leave it alone. Don't put anything else next to it. So you can put your serum on, then you put eye cream if you'd like, or you can save it to the end. Um, with oils versus moisturizers, there's so much debate surrounding this. It depends on the oil and it depends on the cream. I hate to say that. That's not what anyone wants to hear. But if you have, say, an oil like Vintner's Daughter, that's $185 a bottle and a very, very small molecule, you do not want to put it over a cream. You want to put it directly on the skin. Uh Okay. Um, And then if you have the same thing, like a really expensive, light, water-based moisturizer, um, you might want to put that on first. If you're going to use a heavier oil like, you know, argon or like something like that. So... It really depends on the oil. So kind of feel it out, look into it, feel it on your hand itself, which one absorbs quicker, which one kind of is um, the thicker of the two and then layer from there. Okay.
1: I need, I need that help because I still am just, it's a different routine every (laughs) night sometimes in my house. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older.
2: Well, continuing on the serum theme, yes. what's the deal with the vitamin C serum? How does it work and what does it help with?
0: So I love vitamin C so very much. Um, in particular emergency again if you've heard me talk about this this is my favorite vitamin c it has three different kinds of vitamin c in it and i've used a lot of different vitamin c's and this is the one that seems to be consistent with results um, to get into like how it works and so i'm not like a full-blown chemist i can't go into the real nitty-gritty details but what vitamin c essentially does is it lightens existing pigmentation it helps fight sun damage because it um, it's an antioxidant. It helps free radical damage. Uh, so it's really great at brightening. It causes uh, collagen synthesis, so it's great for anti-aging. It's kind of a powerhouse. It does a little bit of everything, which is nice. Uh, so you don't have to have a ton of serums in your, your cabinet. You can have the vitamin C and it's anti-aging, it's brightening, it's you know protecting. It's doing all these wonderful things. So I do recommend vitamin C. Just make sure it's a good quality one and it's stable because otherwise you're kind of throwing your money away because... You know, you want it to be effective. And how do you tell if it's stable? And what does it, what's stable mean? So I believe it's absorbic acid is the most effective, most common vitamin C, but it's the least stable one. So heat, um, you know, sun exposure, all those things can cause it. Like if it's not airtight container or something got, you know, got exposed in shipping, it can just become not effective. So I find that the ones that tend to be a little bit pricier, unfortunately, are the ones that have a little bit more of the stability because there's a lot of money that goes into the packaging. They put it with a lot of other ingredients that help it be stable. Um, You know, emergency I like because it's separate. You can see the little balls in it, whereas that's the staple vitamin C inside. Um, So it just depends. I find that a ton of people have bought that $20 one off Amazon and never seen any results with it. So it's like, stay away from a twenty one. Vitamin C. So, this is
1: a spot where you might want to invest. This, yeah exactly.
0: You want to splurge a little bit here because it is a really finicky ingredient. So, you want to make sure that it's being handled properly.
1: Courtney, what's your favorite affordable mask? Oh,
0: good question. I would say Orgade sheep masks is my favorite affordable mask or gauge or gate it's o-r-g-a-i-d i believe again amazon okay they make a greek yogurt sheet mask that i quite enjoy oh wow yeah it's fairly affordable too i don't i don't think it's more than maybe 20 bucks for one mask? Uh, for a set. Oh, okay. Yeah. Set. For a set. You're like, that is not affordable. <laughs> no. I mean, I mean, for someone, you know. Uh, I want to also,
1: be- before we get back to questions, just point out the fact that the ice roller that we talk about on the podcast, it came from Courtney. I love that You thing. used it on me in a facial. And we're like, yeah, I got it on Amazon. Like 11 bucks. And then I was like, beep, bop, boop, Amazon. Okay. So thank you. We, we reference I- this ice roller all the time. And it I want to make sure credit so is given. It makes me so happy that you given. love it.
0: I love ice products i love cold things they're my favorite
1: do they help with skin is it tightening like what is the it's, when we talk about this ice roller what does it do every day if so we use it?
0: it's tightening it's really great for helping product penetrate uh it helps with calming capillaries down just because cold is a vasoconstrictor uh, but cold helps with inflammation That's why obviously like if you fall down you put a Pack of ice on it. It's great for inflammation, so it does kind of help tighten the skin. Um, people that are prone to redness or irritation also really benefit from cold. That's why I use the ice roller, and it also just feels really nice. I think it's a nice little yeah, self care routine. Yeah, does feel really nice. Yeah.
2: Um. All right. Here's a question: Are hydrafacials worth it? Ooh. What is a hydrafacial?
0: So, I don't have a ton of experience with hydrafacial. I tried it once at a trade show. And it is kind of like a suction-based derm with uh, some water fluid that shoots around in it. It felt nice on the back of my hand, and it made my skin look soft. But to me, I wouldn't go as far as to say that it's 100% worth it, because they tend to be a little pricey. And it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is new skin. Um, I find a lot of that stuff tends to be, you know, it's nice. It's a nice refresher. it probably give you a good glow. But is it correcting long-term issues? Not necessarily. Um, i i would say do your research about it do a little bit you know see what you're looking to correct about your skin if you're looking for just a nice hydration glow it's it doesn't hurt um but things with suction you want to stay away from if you're prone to redness broken capillaries things like that Suction's not really your friend so lean away from it but it can't necessarily hurt
2: all right okay i <laughs> got one once did you like it i, li- I did like it I I felt, eh. yeah i felt glowy after yeah but I didn't feel compelled to do it again. Exactly, it's
0: one of those things where it feels nice. If you have an event, mm-hmm. it could be mm-hmm. nice to do beforehand. Sure. But you know, if it's something that you're saving up for because you want to see a real long-term result, I would say spend your money elsewhere.
2: This might be a little outside your area of expertise, yeah. but I'm going to ask this two-part question. One, do primers and setting sprays actually work? And can I put on primer under my SPF? Ooh.
0: So I love makeup. I'm glad we have some makeup questions. Okay, it's really fun. <laughs> I used to do a lot of makeup at one of the places I worked at. So, primer and setting sprays do work. They work in the sense that, yes, your primer makes your makeup look smoother. It makes it last longer. Setting sprays I like in particular because they give your skin a little bit more of a natural, less makeup-y glow. And it also helps minimize transference. So if you're hugging a gentleman with a white shirt, it tends to help prevent you like really kind of smearing an orange, you know, smark on his little shoulder. So the thing is with that, though, from taking myself out of the makeup perspective of, yes, it works, primer is the most clogging thing on the planet. Mm. And I hate when people use them on their skin. (laughs) So if you can find a natural-based primer, uh, Jane Iredale, who I'm a fan of, they make a quartz-derived primer. So instead of using silicone or dimethicone, they used a quartz-derived methicone. So you're not getting petroleum in there. And it tends to be less clogging. So if you can go to something like Credo Beauty, you can go check out primers that are cleaner. You tend to have less blockage from that. And then what about the primer under the SPF The primer under the SPF? I wouldn't do that just because a, I don't love primer. Um, but I would put your SPF on first and then put your primer on.
1: Can we get can we have a little discussion about sunscreen? I, we get a lot of questions about uh, what sunscreen should I use? Chemical versus physical.
0: Such a hot topic. It's a hot
1: topic, um, especially, you know, maybe I'm guessing they have different purposes, like chemical might be more appropriate for a day at the beach. I don't know.
0: They do have different functions. Um, so I'll explain a little bit the difference between the two and you can kind of get a little bit better of an idea from okay. there. Okay. So mineral block is titanium and zinc. And what it does is it sits on the surface of the skin and it reflects the ray. The sun's rays hit it and bounce right back off it. What chemical SPF does, which is the, um, I can never even pronounce half of them, the avibenzo, oxybenzo, all those other ones you'll see, those absorb the rays. So the ray hit the skin and it sucks it and holds on to it. Now, where that gets problematic is when you're using a chemical SPF and it's trapping the ray of the sun, it's energy. Energy doesn't dissipate, it just transfers. So you're getting the heat of the ray bouncing around in your skin. What does heat exacerbate? Pigmentation, redness, whole bunch of stuff. Uh So people that tend to have melasma, I don't recommend chemical sunscreen for you. I recommend mineral. You want it to reflect off. You don't want to even let the heat in the skin. Um, Same thing with the redness. Now, mineral blocks aren't as sturdy, obviously, as chemical sunscreens are. So if you are doing a massive day-long triathlon in and out of water, like that's the day to maybe throw on a chemical SPF. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of it. For me, I'm kind of a purist. I like natural all the time. But you also have to be realistic about, you know, what kind of lifestyle you're living. If you're a super, super out in the air, you know, uh, elements athlete, you want probably more of a chemical because it's going to allow you, afford you longer protection. You still have to reapply. It just gives you a little bit longer of a time. Um, That comes into the numbers too. Everyone's like, is SPF? I never really recommend anything over 30 Oh, that's what I because the number is the amount of time you're protected, not the level of protection. So you still need to reapply. So it's better to reapply something natural more often than to wear a chemical SPF and think you're protected longer than you are. And then, you know, not reapply as often because you're still getting that heat trapped in the skin. So there's problems there. But again, do your research. Try what feels best to you. I find a lot of people don't necessarily like mineral spfs they're a little chalkier there are a lot of great ones out there you can find them again i send a lot of my clients to credo beauty because they have such a large array of them spf is very personal i like my face to look borderline wet when i have spf on i like a real shiny face some people like matte, so it's like go try some different ones out there's a lot of great technology with mineral and then again with the chemical spf if you're going to do it make sure you're reapplying and make sure you know like i have melasma maybe this isn't the best option for me again you know do your research on it. <laughs> okay.
2: okay. Um, how long should you give a new product or a routine before deciding that it works?
0: If you're not having anything um, real reactive, 28 days, because that's when your cells are doing their little turnover. So it'll give you about 28 days for you to say like, okay, this is actually making a difference uh, without there being a reaction. So if you are a week into a product and you're having some sort of like rash, like breakout all over or anything like that, obviously stop. Don't push through that because you might just not be able to tolerate the product itself. But if um, you're like, oh, I don't see anything different, you know, keep going. 28 days, give it about a month.
1: Okay. Not like two days, which is what
0: What
2: I do. Do you do that, Dory? Um, I try to give everything at least a couple of weeks. Um, I should I should probably be going longer, but yeah, I try to do at least a couple of weeks.
0: Can I say this one thing? Yes. Your skin is like a toddler. It needs routine. It needs routine. Don't jump around too much. I can't okay. I can't stress that enough. That's one of the biggest things I have. I mean, you know, we talked about this a couple
2: weeks ago, yeah. and we talked about how I'm a serial monogamist
0: with my products. It's <laughs> <And> i <I'm> polyamorous, <laughs> yeah. and it's the best way to go. Most of the pro- most issues that I see a lot with clients is they come in and they're like, "Well, I got a sample of this, and I got this, and then my girlfriend recommends that, so I bought that, and then my friend's selling this, so I have that, and I switch around and every different night, it's something different.
1: Yep. That's, and their skin oh, that's
0: is not doing its best that it could be, and I'm like, just stick to one thing. Like, if you're a parent, you know. A kid needs a routine. And once you take it off the routine, things go haywire. It's the same thing with your skin. You want to be super routine with it. That's where you'll get the best results from it. It's not the end of the world if you're trying new things, but just try not to make a habit of doing it every single day.
2: Okay. Good
0: advice. (laughs) (laughs) That's my two cents on that.
1: (laughs) We have a question from a friend of ours, actually, who sent it over text. And I said, can I ask Courtney this? Yes. Do you need a winter skincare routine if you live in a warm climate?
0: yes and no so i have a winter skin routine and i live in southern california but i don't always need it because this has been a particularly cold and damp winter for us which we haven't had before Mm -hmm. Uh, i feel like in the past years it's been more mild than it has been this year so if your skin has changed it's time to change the regimen but feel it out you know your skin have a conversation with it see what it needs you hear that yeah Yeah. good advice talk it out it's telling, it, it'll tell you if it needs something. Right. If nothing's, if everything f- yeah. is working smoothly, you exactly. don't need to switch it up. Okay. But if something's acting up, that's what it's telling
2: you. Okay. What about pregnancy safe skincare? We get this question we so much. We get this question all the time. I feel like you've probably answered it before, but yeah. it's come up again. What are the things to avoid? Are there any brands that you recommend in particular?
0: Um, most brands are fine. Again, stick with natural. You're absorbing everything pretty much through your skin. It's going into your system. So you want to make sure the natural better for this baby obviously Um, and with skincare the big no-nos are beta hydroxy acids which are your salicylic acids and any form of vitamin a whether it be natural or prescription vitamin a in general gets converted into a retinoid through the skin and it's not great for a baby so you're going to look for things that say obviously retinol retinoid um, retinol palmitate is vitamin a or just straight vitamin a any of that stuff no Stay away from that stuff. Um, small levels of glycolic seem to be OK. But again, double check with your doctor. Some recommend it. Some don't. But err on the side of caution. Nothing too aggressive. Um, nothing with you know a lot of acid or, uh, again, the betas are the big ones. Salicylic is really the big one, which also um, is sometimes listed as willow bark extract. So keep an eye out for that in natural products. Those are the big ones you want to really avoid are the two, the retin-A and the salicylic. Everything else seems to be OK. Just go natural.
1: Okay. Okay. We can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Dora, you're doing that. I am doing that. You're, you're doing yeah.
0: a great job. Oh, thank you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> this is a question that's not on our list, but I, I feel like we get asked it a lot. And I just wanted an expert's opinion. If you are new to skincare, like what is the best basic skincare routine?
0: Cleanse, exfoliate, depending on your skin once a week and moisturize. That's usually what I start my beginners off with. A, a cleanser in the morning, moisturizer, same routine at night, and then once a week use a scrub.
1: And it can be the same moisturizer morning and night. Yes. Need not be a... Yeah,
0: it doesn't have to be crazy. I prefer, again, a smaller regimen. I don't do a lot of steps. I think that the smaller the regimen, usually the better, unless you're, again, have a issue or really trying to correct. Um, and especially people new to skincare, once you throw a lot of stuff into the pot, their skin tends to freak out because their skin's like, what is this? I've never done this before. Why yeah. are you doing this to me? And you'll have this reaction and then they get kind of burnt by it. They're like, why? You know, I should have just left it alone. So start small. Um, start simple. You don't have to even spend a ton of money. Like a cure line at Target tends to be pretty good for beginners. I like it. It's really simple. You're not spending a ton of money. You can kind of just get into the routine of it and then go from there.
2: Corny. Do you believe in skin mapping? I live by it. Really? <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. It's can you been, explain what, what it is? What is it?
0: So skin mapping is, um, I believe, in Eastern medicine, like an Eastern culture medicine um, way of connecting internal health issues to skin issues. So I use this a lot and it's actually fairly accurate. Like I can look at my client's skin and be like, you're eating too much of this or you're not going to the bathroom. You can tell on people's faces based on where they're breaking out. You can tell if they're drinking a ton of alcohol. Um, you can tell if they're not drinking enough water. You can tell a lot of things by the face. So it's very, very accurate. You'll find different variations of it online if you're looking it up. I have one actually on my Instagram if you want to take a peek at it. It's the one that I have I have personally found to be the most accurate based on my years working with the skin. Uh, but it seems to be very, very true. What's going on inside is a reflection of your skin. So pay attention to it. If you're breaking out in one area, it's probably particular to something going on inside. So definitely do your research on it.
1: I didn't know that's what skin mapping was. Mm -hmm. I didn't either. I'm going to go map my face after this (laughs)
0: conversation. It's so accurate. Sometimes it's crazy. That's
1: terrifying. Do you have a favorite overnight mask?
0: Ooh, I do. Nori which is a little brand out of Denmark. I actually gave Kate a sample of it for her flight. And it blasted me. I
1: love making a sample last. It's
0: so nice. And it was actually meant for flights. You can leave it on for eight to 10 hours. It goes on kind of like a creamy white and then it turns clear and you can leave it on for eight to 10 hours. So it's great for flying, but that being said, it's also great for sleeping in because it is clear it's not going to stain anything and you can leave it on for upwards of 10 hours. So if you're sleeping even 10 hours, it's great. Um, I like it. I have a lot of clients that tend to be dry or sensitive. They love it. It's a really nice mask. It's very, really, really hydrating and not sticky or anything. You'll be comfortable sleeping in it.
2: Well, for our last question, I wanted to stay on the mask theme. Yes. Any suggestions for exfoliating masks that aren't drying? Ooh, does that exist?
0: Exfoliating masks that aren't drying. I would say one comes to mind in particular that I really like. And again, circling back to emergency. I love you guys. If you're listening, <laughs> Hi, you've I, gotten me I, hooked. Talk, I talk a lot about you. Um, they have a vitamin C retinol mask, mm. which is very nice. It is softening and brightening and tightening, but not drying at all. I love it. I do really like that mask a lot. Um, But again, it's very unique to its kind because it's hard. You're hard pressed to find something that's stripping slash hydrating. Right. Uh, There's another mask I just came across, too, um, by Faena. And I don't know if I'm ever saying the name wrong. I'm sorry if you're listening again. Um, But this mask is a hydrating charcoal mask, which, again, you never really find that combination. It's really, really nice. I actually did it last night. Um, I love it because it's purifying. You feel really toned and soft after and, and lightly hydrated. But it's nice if you're breaking out. It starts to kind of calm that stuff down. So. Those would be my two faves.
2: Well, Courtney, this was educational, enlightening, joyful, joyful.
0: I'm so happy to do this. A pleasure. Thank you for yeah. having me and letting me talk. Oh my gosh! Of course, oh, it's the best.
2: Can we just remind our listeners where they can find you?
0: Yes, so you can find me online. My website is courtneychisano.com and then my Instagram is courtneychisanoskincare. skincare. You can find me there.
1: And let's clarify your last name: C H I U. S A N O, Giacomo. I love Justana.
0: it. very Italian. <laughs> thank you, yeah, Courtney. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you.
2: Kate, yes. How's your back? Oh, it hurts like a jerk. Yeah, like a big
1: jerk, like a big meanie. But um, I did see the doctor. I did get a referral for physical therapy, and I am in the process of trying to schedule my first physical therapy appointment. Okay, so I'm making progress on that front good. How is tax stuff going? Didn't do it. Oh, okay. You know what? The best intention is a one not done. (laughs) Is that really true? I don't know. I just made it up right now. Um, But why not? Why not let it be true?
2: You know, I'm going to redouble my efforts this week. Okay. And just, just get started.
1: And what is happening for you this week in the intention world?
2: Well, as mentioned at the beginning of the show, I sold a book Yay. that I need to write. Woohoo! <laughs> and you're having a baby. And I'm having a baby. Um, so I really need to be on a consistent writing schedule. I've been writing over the past few days, but not like, super consistently. Do you, like, put it in your calendar? Do you have a certain time you like? How does that, what I does that look I need to like? put it in my calendar. Okay. I had been just sort of telling myself, I'll do it in the morning. Mm-hmm. But, like, this morning, for example, I was going to do it, and then I forgot we had dog training. And then I had to take Bo to daycare because Matt Like Matt was supposed to take him, but Matt had to leave for work because we had dog training. I mean, you got to put it in the the, calendar. You know what I mean? Like it was just like everything just sort of spiraled. But if I had actually looked at the calendar, I would have known that I had dog training this Mm -hmm, morning, mm -hmm. etc. So I just need to be better about it. So I'm going to come up with a real writing schedule. What about you?
1: I also need to do that. Okay. Because um, I'm trying to complete a project. But my intention this week is to find a recipe I'm excited to try and cook it. Ooh. To kind of build, to, to kind of change, reframe, let's say, the narrative. Have we ever said that on this podcast no, before? No, it's a new thing. New thing, right? Thank you
2: for coining that. <laughs> no no probsies. <laughs> um,
1: just to try to like continue feeling in a good space about cooking and try to just re- work, on my, work on my own feelings about it. So great. I was going to dig back in. I had made this intention like a million years ago and never did it on this mm. podcast to like cook a recipe a week from my favorite cookbook. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to just try to find another recipe and cook it. That's it. Low great. stakes. So I'll let you know how it goes. I look forward
2: to eating your food. <laughs> I could bring you some. Would you? <laughs> I honestly would. Okay, great. Okay, great. Just Done. no olives. Okay. Thank you. No putinus. Olives, sauce olives are my celery. Ugh. Now you get it. I do get it. Thank you. Can you imagine a
1: dish that includes both those ingredients?
2: The most disgusting dish on the planet. We would be
1: horrified.
2: (laughs) Well, friends. Oh, we just want to also just quickly mention again, South by Southwest. Austin, Texas. We're going to be there Saturday, March 9th, 2 p.m. And our meet up with Natch Butte on Sunday, March 10th from 5 to 7. Please come. Please do come. Um, If you want to call us. Leave us a voicemail
1: 781-591-0390. Or you can always email us at Forever35 Podcast at
2: gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash group slash Forever 35 Podcasts, where there's also a ton of spinoff groups. And if you like the show, please
1: leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. And if you really like us, mention us on social media somewhere.
2: And just a reminder that everything we mention is always on our website forever35podcast.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at Forever 35 Podcast and on Twitter at Forever 35 Pod.
1: It is very important to tell you that Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio and Lane Hammer is our assistant. Bye, everyone. Bye.